Welcome to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga, a teaching ministry where believers are trained to be established in the truth of God's Word. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.thepastormax.ng. Amen. God is good. Hallelujah. All right. Let's, um, let's get ready for the Word. We are going to learn God's word this morning. Let's pray. Let's get into the word. Father, thank you because I'm anointed to teach your word. Thank you because your people are anointed to receive. And together faith is built up in the knowledge of the person of Jesus. I pray that light and understanding will come forth in and through your word. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Now, what we do... Um, if you've been with us for a long while, you'll have noticed that pattern. We spend a month to teach on very practical issues, application issues, like we just did in the last uh, one month. We dealt on wisdom for living. And we talked about some very basic and practical things that can help you get along in life. And this month, uh, we're going to do a bit of some theological studies to ground us and make us rooted in the faith. So this morning, we're dealing with the primary purpose of the fivefold ministry. The primary purpose of the fivefold ministry. Why did God give apostles? Why did God give teachers? Why did God give prophets? Evangelists and pastors to the body of Christ. Now, uh, it's important for us to understand, Dr. Miles Monroe made a statement which has become a very popular quote. It says, when the purpose of a thing is not known, what happens? Abuse is what? Is inevitable. Now, I saw... Uh, I saw something on social media that made me to laugh, but which exemplifies this quote. Uh, some people bought a WC home, you know, water system, you know, and uh, the grandma and the grandpa decided to use the top, the seat of the water system as tray to serve food, okay, because it, of course they don't know uh, what that is supposed to, and it looks like a tray. And it's the same thing today. Uh, many people do not understand why God gave the ministry gifts. And so they don't know either what to expect and uh, what to, uh, how do I put it now, what to receive from them. And so we're going to patiently go over this. Today is just going to be the introduction. But we're going to patiently go over this. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Now, um, Ephesians chapter 4, if you, if you look at the book of Ephesians, it's a very, very solid book. It's a very solid book. Because Paul states very clearly the work of Christ in the saints who are born again. First of all, in Ephesians chapter 1, uh, if we read from verse 2, it says, grace to you, Ephesians 1, 2, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Paul deals with the fact that the saint of God is blessed. And in verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6, it says, verse 5 says, or from verse 4, But God being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved, and raised up with him, and seated, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ. In chapter 3, Paul goes on to talk about this whole truth again, and says, uh, the mystery which was hidden in Christ, in verse 6, is to be specific, that the Gentiles, chapter 3, verse 6, that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, and fellow members of the body, and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Now, Paul was saying that when a man accepts the gospel, and when a man is born again, he is now a fellow partaker. He is now the member of the body of Christ. And that there is no more division between whether Jews or Gentiles. Are you following what I'm saying? Now, the Jew has no more, the Jew has no more right to God than you have to God. Why? Because you are now born again. You have now been saved by the Spirit of God. So, Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 3, Paul lays the theology of the new creation, who the new creation is. He talks to us about our salvation, who we are in Christ. And Paul emphasizes this truth. Then he now goes on to chapter 4, where, which we are. He says, therefore I... Okay, now, the therefore being, you know, on the backdrop of all what he has been saying from the first three chapters. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, employ you, or charge you, or plead with you, to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. He says, I want you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Now, let's take a look at this phrase, for instance, and let's dig around it a little bit. Go to Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we will do what? Walk in them. Did you see that? Are you here or you're going home? Okay. Says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand. So, what when it says we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, what was he referring to? The new creation. We've been created in Christ. Now, there are good works in which we need to walk in. Let's look at another scripture. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 10. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 10. Let's look at verse 9. Let's start reading from verse 9. Colossians 1 from verse 9. So you need to follow this very carefully. For this reason, also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will, 
in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Look at verse 10. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. To please Him in how many respects? In all respects. Bearing fruit in every good work and doing what? Increasing in the knowledge of God. So you see Paul here talking about uh, walking in a manner worthy of the call. Which call is he referring to here now? The call of the fact that you are now born again. You are now what? A child of God. Colossians chapter 2. Let's look at verse 6 to 7. Colossians chapter 2 verse 6 to 7. It says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. As you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Having been firmly rooted and now been built up in Him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. It says, you have received Christ, therefore walk worthy in this manner. So we understand, and this is very important, that the book of Ephesians was written to the saints in Christ. Praise the name of the Lord. Now let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Now let's look at verse 2. Read again from verse 1. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord... Employs you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. Verse 2. With all humility and gentleness. With patience. Showing tolerance for one another in love. Being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. So Paul talks about the fact that we need to walk in certain characteristics. To be able to preserve the unity of the Spirit. Now, the things that Paul listed here, uh, the word endeavor there, when he says endeavor or being diligent to preserve the unity, if you look at the King James Version, it uses the word endeavor, it means pay attention to, okay? It means try or labor or study or be earnest about peace. And you see, if we want to walk in peace in the local church, these four characteristics are very important. Let's go over them again from number two, verse two, sorry. Number one, humility. Humility. If we want to work in peace in the local church, there's got to be humility. Number two, they have to be what? Gentleness. Are you there? Let's go to Ephesians 4 2. Make sure you're there. Okay, what are the characteristics that Paul listed, listed out there? Number one is what? Humility. Number two is what? Gentleness. I can't hear you. Number three is what? Patience. And then what's number four? Tolerance for one another in what? In love. If you want to build a strong local church, if the body of Christ has to be domineering on the earth, these four characteristics are essential. In the life of everyone, whether as pastors or as members of the local church, humility, gentleness, patience, and what? Forbearing or tolerating one another in love. Now, I want us to read um, 
Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14. Let's see what Paul said there about this same thing. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 14. We can look from verse 12. It says, or if we start reading from verse 10, it says, And you have put on the new self, who has been renewed to a true knowledge, according to the image of the one who created him. Verse 11, A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free man, but Christ is all in all. Now, what is this teaching us? It's very important because after Paul establishes this, Paul is going to start to talk about the unity of the church. You know, and you see, we cannot talk about the unity of the church if we still have a class system in our mind. If we still have an elite system in our mind. When we come into the body of Christ, the blood of Jesus makes every man equal. Are you following what I'm saying? Whether slave or bound, whether Jew or Gentiles, whether rich or poor, the blood of Jesus is the equalizer of all men. And this is essential because Paul is going to talk about unity. And you cannot talk about unity where a particular class feels special than the other. Are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, it goes on to say, uh, verse 12, So, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on, put on, so it's a decision for you to walk in these things, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. This list almost is very close to what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter 4. Am I right? Okay, verse, verse um, 13. Bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. Verse 14. Beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. So Paul says, the perfect bond of unity is love. That if I'm walking in love, it will aid the unity of the church. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, go back to Ephesians chapter 4. Now, it says, Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to start reading from verse 4. Now, in Ephesians 4, 4, Paul has talked about all the things we need to walk in. Now, Paul is now talking about the fact that we're one body. He says, there is one body and one spirit, just as also you were called in one hope of your calling. Verse 5, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Verse 6, one God and Father of all who is over all and what? And through all. Did you see that in your Bible? Come on, did you see that in your Bible? Now you realize this, that the Bible says that we are one body. And that consciousness is very important. That understanding is very important. Because now Paul is about to deal with something here. Paul is about to deal with roles and functions. And he says that we have to see ourselves as one body. Because we are baptized by one spirit. We've got one faith. We've got one hope. We've got one God. 
Because we cannot build a strong local church with a divided mindset. Praise God. I said, praise God. Now, Charles Spurgeon said something, and I'll read it to you. Charles Spurgeon said, We want unity in the truth of God, through the Spirit of God. This let us seek after. Let us live near to Christ, for this is the best way of promoting unity. Divisions in churches never begin with those full of love to the Savior. Now, we cannot talk about the unity of the church if we don't teach people on how to walk in love. If we don't talk about how to walk in love, and I'm talking about the God kind of love. I'm not talking about the love that, you know, you know we, we all claim to walk in love only where it concerns what we like. We're talking about the God kind of love. And so you always have to think about what will my action do to the body? What's the impact of my action to the body? Praise the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I want to say this, right? Uh, ministers of the gospel are held up to very high standards, in which is important that they should. But you see, when the Bible talks about humility, when it talks about gentleness, when it talks about patience... When talking about showing tolerance for one another in love, he wasn't referring to pastors doing this for the members. He was referring to the whole body of Christ walking this way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you here? He's talking to everybody now. He's, he hasn't started talking to pastors. No, he's talking to everybody who is born again that this is a requirement for how many of us? For every one of us. Now, then Paul builds on this again. Then verse 7, he says, But to each one of us, how many of us? Each one of us. How many of us? How many of us? Each one of us. That means everybody who is born again, who is a member of the body of Christ. Look at what the Bible says. But to each one of us, grace was given according to what? According to the measure of Christ. That means every born again child of God has got the grace of God in them according to the measure of Christ. There is no body in the body of Christ who doesn't have the grace of Christ in them. There's no one in the body of Christ who doesn't have the grace of Christ in them. Everyone in the body of Christ has got the measure of the grace of Christ in them. Every believer, whether you exercise it or not, that measure is there. Because every believer who is born again, praise God, has that measure of Christ. And so first of all, before Paul talks about the fivefold ministry, Paul talks about the grace that everybody carries. It's like when Jesus was on the earth, you know, the Bible says he had the spirit without measure. I mean, this was the son of God, the child of God. He's got the spirit without measure. But when Jesus ascended up to heaven... It's like he distributed himself to every child of God in little measures in that sense. 
when they were filled on the day of Pentecost with the Holy Spirit. Now, go to Romans chapter 12. And let's look at verse 1. Remember what we're dealing with now in verse 7. It says, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Now, Romans chapter 12. Let's look at verse 1. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Verse 2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove the will of God, prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. Look at verse 3. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, I say to everyone among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each man a what? A measure of faith. So we know that everybody has the measure of grace And we also know that everybody has what? The measure of faith Are you following me? Verse 5 Verse 4 For just as we have many members in one body And all the members do not have the same function Now understand this now Because we are dealing with the role of the fivefold ministry But before we get into the fivefold ministry Paul deals with the whole body of Christ. Because sometimes there's a lot of emphasis placed on the fivefold, and then we leave the rest body of Christ just the way it is. And the, the rest body of Christ almost feels useless as opposed to the fivefold ministry. But that's not what the mind of God is concerning the body of Christ. When he deals with, when, before Paul deals with the apostles, the prophets, the teachers, the pastors, and the evangelists, he clarifies the fact that every member of the body of Christ has got a measure of grace, and every member of the body of Christ has got a measure of faith given to them by God because they are ch children of God. And so we have to build the body with that consciousness. We've got to walk in that consciousness, individually and corporately. So in Romans chapter 12, Paul talks, the, talks about this four says, For just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function. Now, if we use your body as an, uh, 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 as an, as an example, you'd realize it's true. For instance, all the members of your body do not have the same function. Now, if I look at this man sitting on the front row, I can say this is a man. I'm referring to him uh, as one body, right? Hello? I'm referring to him as one body. Then I can say he's got two ears. Now, I'm referring to the individual members of his body, right? Right? Okay. I can say he has one nose. Okay? I can say he's got two hands, ten toes. Okay? Now... Those are individual members of his body, but they are also part of his body. So I can say they are one body, I can say they are individual members of his body. Now, they all don't have the same function. 
Just to cross check What's the function of the ear? To speak? Okay, to hear What's the function of the nose? To speak? Just to be sure, to speak? Now, can your nose just decide one day You know what, you know what You know what, I'm tired I'm tired of perceiving I want to speak Don't think because I'm perceiving I cannot speak How many of you would like a nose like that? Eh? Or how many of you want to get up one morning And your feet just You know, you're standing like this, right? You're sleeping like this Your feet are like this Then your feet just bends like this And you're like, what is wrong? Say, see, you are just walking I'm tired of walking See, if you want to go out today Just go out, leave me on the bed I want to sleep Imagine your feet just draws <laughs> You know, draws the cover cloth And cover itself and you're like, what is it? Say, I'm not going anywhere today. You both can walk without me. How many of you would like very active feet like that? But how many of you think that's what we do in the body of Christ? You think so? You know that's what we do, right? We just seize our grace. Is I'm tired of you people. I'm not doing it again. And that's what we do because we're not conscious of the unity of the body. We're not conscious that the function that God is giving to us, He probably has not given it to someone else. So Paul says, for just as we have many members in one body, and all the members do not have the same function, so we, we, every one of us, Paul and the saints, talking to everybody, so we, who are many, are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. It is as we fit into one another that we are able to prosper and grow as a body. Now we have to be conscious of that. We have to be conscious of that. Because unknown to us, sometimes as pastors, we have positioned ourselves and, 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 and taught the body of Christ like they don't have anything to contribute apart from us. But I mean, that's not true according to God's word. No member of the body of Christ who is genuinely born again, who is saved by God, is useless. Everyone's got a function. Everyone's got a role. Everyone's got grace to function in certain area where the body of Christ is concerned. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, it says, verse 5, Romans chapter 12, verse 5. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts, gifts that differ, look at this word again, according to the grace given to how many of us? Given to what? To us. Since we have gifts that differ, since we have gifts that are different according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly. So, Paul in Romans chapter 12 establishes the fact that what he said in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 7 is true. That every man in the body of Christ that's genuinely born again, that's filled with the Spirit of God, has what? Has got the grace of God in them. The Bible says, so therefore, each of us is to exercise this grace gift accordingly. Now, whether you choose to exercise it or not, 
that's left to you. But that doesn't mean you don't have it in you. It's in you. When you're born again, the dimension of the grace of God is in you. Are you following this? Talk to me. Are you following this? Alright. So Paul says, since we have given that deeper according to the grace given to us, each of us is to exercise them accordingly, if prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, praise God. Then he says, if service in his servicing, or he who teaches in his teaching. Verse 8, or he who exalts in his exaltation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Verse 10, be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. Then he goes on to say, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. He says, don't lag behind. Don't draw back. Don't draw back. Don't draw back. And I, 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 I'm, I'm trusting the Lord to give me the liberty to deal with this. But one of the biggest reasons why a lot of people in the body of Christ that God is giving grace to serve in various areas in the body of Christ don't get to serve is because of offense. And yeah, somebody say, well, yeah, I mean, we get offended. That's why I'm not serving. You don't have an excuse of not serving the body because you're offended, that's where your love is perfected. That's how you perfect your love. That's when to walk in love. I'll tell you this. You don't walk in love when everything is good. How many of you agree with me? Do you understand what I said? You, you don't need to walk in love when... There's nothing to love in that sense. You only walk in love when there's an opportunity not to walk in love. And many people in the body of Christ would rather cut their supply off from the body because of offense. And you have an instruction from God not to lag behind in diligence. To be fervent in spirit. And before he talks about this, he says we've got to be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. This is both on the part of the pastors and part of the body of Christ. Are you, are you following this? And this is very serious. We've got to look at this in light with what the Lord is instructing us and teaching us about. Because one of the major reasons that cuts people off from doing the assignment that God has called them to do in the body is the spirit of offense. And that's why if you don't know how to walk, and, and Paul says it when he goes on, he says, let our love be without hypocrisy, verse 9. What does it mean when he says, let love be without hypocrisy? You don't have this prudential thing, oh, it's okay, oh, it's fine, oh, everything is fine, but you're not committing to putting your grace gift to serving the body. You see, whatever gift that God is giving to you, whatever grace the Lord is giving to you to serve the body, and you're not serving the body with it, you're doing both a disservice to the body and to yourself because you are accountable for, to God in using that gift to serve the body. Can you say amen? amen. Alright. 
So verse 13, uh, verse 12. Rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. Verse 13. Contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Uh, you know, we don't teach this in church, right? What do we teach people to do to those who persecute them? Come on, talk to me. Huh? What do you do to those who persecute you? What do we teach people to do? We kill them. That is opposite of what the scripture teaches you. Look at what the Bible says. Bless and do not curse. Is that what the Bible says? I know you will not see it. What does the Bible say in Romans chapter 12? Bless and do not what? Bless and do not what? And do not curse. Is that God's word? That's the word of God. How many of you know it's going to take a lot of faith to obey this scripture? You know, it's even funny sometimes I've seen uh, sometimes people leave a particular church and the pastor lays a curse on them. That's very sad. Someone say, well, but you don't know what they did. Why don't you just obey the word? Act on the word and let God be the judge of it. Praise the name of the Lord. It might hurt you. You might be angry. But act on the word. You see, the anger of man will never walk the righteousness of God. And one of the things I want to beg you is sit in a church where you're taught the word. Not taught what the pastor thinks is right, but teaching exactly what the word says. Because I don't know how many times we skip this verse when we're teaching people how to act when they are persecuted. We skip this verse. It's a very short verse. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. I watched the video. It, it's, people laughed about it, but I was very sad about it. It was a minister, you know, live streaming. You know, I don't think, I think he's a minister. And he was raising a prayer point. And he was saying that if you don't want my happiness, if you don't want my joy in life, what are you still living for? Fall down and die. And you see people commenting, hundreds of comments. And I, I was thinking, I said, dear God. And, and I ask you one question. How are we different from idol worshippers? What's the difference? Because the average idol worshipper, the average man who is not in God, if you cross his path, he'll kill you. And now you, you say you're born again. We have to rediscover the Christianity of the Bible, not the one we have fashioned for ourselves. We have to get back to the scriptures. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I said, are you hearing what I'm saying? Alright. So he goes on to say, rejoice with those who rejoice, and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind towards one another. 
Do not be hot in your mind. That means do not be proud. But associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Let your wisdom come from the scriptures. It says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Did you see that again? Church, church of the living God. Did you see that again? Never pay back evil to anyone. To anyone. Someone say, this is hard. Welcome to the club. That's why we're believers. That's why we're Christians. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. If possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I'll repay, says the Lord. You know why we don't like this scripture? God doesn't repay quickly the way we want. Hmm? Say, don't worry God, I'll handle it. <laughs> so we even tell God what to do. Let the person somersault and die. Not just die, he should somersault first. And then die. So it's very dramatic. Huh? And have you heard those wonderful testimonies? Praise the Lord. After the last convention, when we prayed this prayer, I went home. And they just told me my uncle has died. I just want to thank the Lord. And then you see people in the congregation say, It will soon be my turn. It will be my turn. And you forgot that you, you are someone's uncle. And one day, they are going to share testimony on your behalf. You know how we all look like old people have issues forgetting that we'll go old one day? And you ask yourself one simple question How would you like to be treated when you become a grandparent? Would you want people getting up at night, praying against you all the time? All the time. And I must say this. A lot of believers have been wrongly taught. Wrongly taught. We have to renew our mind and come back to the scriptures. Nobody is your problem. You are your own problem. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The Bible says, if a man's way pleases the Lord... He would make even his enemies to be at peace with him. If you meditate deeply on that scripture, you would realize that the only responsibility you have in this life is to please the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord Jesus. Now, verse 20, let's finish this. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. Have you read this before? <laughs> so I say, which Bible is that? It's your Bible. Have you read this before? It says, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. How many of us think we really like to do this? Hmm? It didn't say feed him and put poison inside. Hope your translation doesn't have that. What does your translation say? Feed him. Hmm? And if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For in so doing, you heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with what? With good. Can you see how Paul is teaching us how to live? He says, don't let evil overcome you. Sadly put, evil has overcome us. Because now, we have changed our character to suit evil forces. But the Bible says, we shouldn't allow 
evil to overcome us. Okay, well, let's go ahead. But so you understand as we're reading Romans chapter 12 that every child of God is God's grace and he has to serve this grace to what? To the body of Christ. Can we go back to Ephesians chapter 4? Is that established? Do you understand that now? Alright, so let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4 and let's continue reading. Praise God. <laughs> Now, in verse, so verse 7 says, But to each one of us, grace was given. So everybody's got that grace. According to the measure of Christ's gift. Verse 8, therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives, and gave gifts to men. Verse 9, now this expression he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth? Verse 10, he who descended is himself also, he who ascended far above all the heavens, so that he might fill all things. Verse 11, verse 11, and he gave some. Okay, I just want to lay the introduction to this subject today and next Sunday we're going to continue. And he gave some. Now, in verse 7, it says he gave every man a measure of grace. So everybody in the body of Christ has got grace. Now, he now gave some. Not everybody now. He's talking about some, some group of people. He gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers. Now, some people say, some theologians say, well, it's fourfold. Pastors and teachers is the same gift. Some people say, well, they are different. Well, whatever it is, uh, he gave these gifts. Because a pastor should be able to teach. Now, look at this. Look at this. He gave some. That means, listen very carefully, not everybody in the body of Christ should be a pastor. Hmm? You know one of our major issues, and I say this very carefully, one of the things we're doing today is what we call, is the scene of Jeroboam, 1 Kings 13. Let me show you what that scene is. 1 Kings 13, 33. Go to 1 Kings chapter 13 and verse 33. 1 Kings 13, 33. After this event... Jeroboam did not return from his evil way. But again, he made priests of high places from among all the people. Anyone who would, he ordained to be priest of the high place. What did Jeroboam do? He didn't want the children of Israel to travel far. So he set up high places. And anyone who showed interest, he ordained them as priests. And that's what we find today. People want to have... Six million branches all over the world. I don't have a problem with that. The only issue is, don't set people as pastors whom God has not called over his flock. Because the more branches we have, the more we have to fill them. So now, once you show any little interest, then they give you pastoral form. And every dig Tom and Harry is ordained as pastor over God's people when the Lord has not called them into that office. And I want to show you clearly from scriptures. 
Your pastor cannot call you. Your church cannot call you. Going to a Bible school does not mean you are called. It is the Lord who sets in the body those whom he desires to be pastors. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Your expansion growth cannot override the scriptures. Your zeal is not equal to a calling. Your ability to teach is not equal to a calling. Carrying your pastor's Bible for a couple of years does not automatically mean you are called. It's the Lord alone that must call a man into any of these offices. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let's look look at it from the scriptures. Because it's important. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. These things are very, 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 very important. And we must not we must not overlook them because they are very foundational. I'd like, I'd, I'd like to say that some people on the pulpit have no business being there. Because they are not set by the Lord in those offices. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's look at, let's start reading from verse 14 very quickly. For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though are many, are one body, so also is Christ. Verse 13. For by one spirit, praise God, for by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member but many. If the foot says, because I'm not a hand, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. Verse 17. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole body were hearing, where would be the sense of smell? Verse 18. But now, God has placed... Look at this. But now, God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body just as who desires? As who desires? As God desires. So, the place in the body that you are functioning in should be as God desires. Not even as you desire. Not even as your pastor or your denomination desires. It's as God desires. We must understand that this whole thing about the body of Christ is not about us, but about what God wants to do. You know, sometimes some pastors think, well, I'll start out as an evangelist, then after a while I'll be a pastor, then after a while I'll become a, an apostle, you know, once I travel to a couple of nations, then I'm an apostle, then I plant a few churches, then I'll end up as a prophet, then after I'm a prophet for a while, then I become a major prophet. <laughs> and they think this thing is classification. You graduate into it. No, if the Lord found you faithful, He can put you into another office, but these things are not rankings in that sense. A prophet is no more higher than a pastor. A teacher is no more higher than uh, a prophet. Because in our eyes and in our minds, because of the way we've been taught and things have been done, we we feel that, well, uh, 
Everybody has to start out this way and grow and grow and grow. No, 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 no. You can be a pastor for all the rest of your life. If that's the office that the Lord has called you to, you stay in that office. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Come on, I said, are you hearing what I'm saying? You know, there was a time that being an evangelist was very popular. Oh, people wanted to become an evangelist. So every young man who was called there, when you asked, say, I'm an evangelist. Even me, I was like that too. There was a time I called myself evangelist in my ignorance. Then we were inspired. Red bunky. Hmm? Then when you ask every, every young minister, then what do you want to become? Want to do crusades? Watching Ben Hinn, pastor in Orlando Christian Center, and having all these massive crusades in stadiums. Everybody who got called in dream sees himself preaching in crusades. Everybody. You know why we also ourselves preaching in crusade? Because in our mind, that was the symbol of a successful minister. And then you ask yourself, how many people saw themselves preaching in crusade? And then when they die, how many of them actually preached in stadiums? And we have to deal with these things in the body of Christ. Because that's why a lot of people don't stay in their offices. Because deep down in our heart, there is a desire to be known. There is a desire to be popular. Are you hearing this? Yeah, that's the truth. Do you realize that sometimes if the Lord has called you to be an intercessor, for instance, just to pray, hmm? just to pray as an intercessor for this church, you know, people are praying, just that God gave you that assignment. You know that I might never know, but the Lord will reward you. But you know, that can become the source of offense. After a while, I say, we the intercessors of the church, they don't know us. We, we let, it, let them call it intercessors forward to greet the church. Because we, we, we have built a church that's based on, you've got to be known. Hmm? Even with giving, in Romans chapter 12, it says, He that gives, let him give liberally. There are people that are called of God to be massive givers. Everybody in the local church should give to the local church, their tithes and their offerings. But there are people who have been called by God to be givers. But what do we do? We bring these ones that are graced by God to be givers and make them an example to everyone and people who don't even have as much grace as they have are struggling to fit into that faith when the Lord has not called them there. So God places people in the body as He desires. We cannot just, I mean, come on. We cannot just desire for ourselves what we want to be. Now, read on. When verse, uh, verse 19. It says, if there were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it's much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow much abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. You know what Paul is trying to say? How many of you have ever seen your liver? Hmm? You've seen your liver before. Most people have never, except probably you had an issue and you went for an x-ray. Your liver is not very presentable. Okay? But how many of you know your liver is one of the most important organs that you have? 
Are you here or you're going home? Alright. Say amen. Say something. Okay. Huh? Just imagine one day your liver just starts talking. I say, you know what? I'm tired of being inside this chest. I want to come out. Every time you go and make hair, you don't make my own. Every time you do makeup, you don't make mine. And then your livers decided to come out and say, we are going to the saloon. But you see, we need to bestow more honor on the less... The scripture says, those members that look less honorable. Hmm? For instance, I'll give you a simple example. We're not talking about the ministry of helps. But let's look at the people who clean the church every day. We don't know them. But some of us have been in this church for years and we've never come into this church any Sunday and found the place dirty. But you know, for instance, in a church, if we want to honor people, we'd honor the deacons, the pastors, the associate pastors, all the people that people see and we can neglect the people who clean up this place, clean the restrooms, sweep, come in every day to keep this place clean. You know why? Because the natural tendency of every human being is to exalt that which is sin. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? So this is very important because if we don't have an understanding of this, staying in our place will be a problem. And that's why sometimes we also have issues with becoming associate pastors. Because we have almost developed a society where if you're not leading your own church, it looks like you're not called. In fact, people will ask you, how long are you serving? Hmm? You, you hear what's like, uh, you can't be farming in another man's family at that point, you have to plant your own. And so, if you begin to entertain those thoughts, after a while... People run out of their place, glory to God, and go and start their own thing, not even initiated by the Father. Now, let's, let's read on. It says, verse 25, or verse 24, Whereas, our more presentable members have no need of it, but God has so composed the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked. Verse 25, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. So when he talks about not dividing the body of Christ, I I mean, strife is one of it, but he's not just talking about, let's not quarrel. It's talking about, listen, let's, let's all also find our place and function in our place so that there is no what? No division. Let's find our place. Let's get involved in our place so that we can all build the body of Christ in unity. Praise the name of the Lord. Now go on. He says, And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. You know, it's very simple. We, we need to see ourselves as a body. That when one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And a typical example I'll give, well, it's a negative example, but it's a typical example that we can understand this. You realize that, for instance, if someone from amongst us does something very terrible and is all over the place, you know, it's going to rub off on all of us. Yeah? Okay, let me say, for instance, now, you just hear that I went to fight someone and I broke his head. Okay? And then the next few weeks, they ask you, which church are you going to? So, that church. You say, oh, is it, is it the one that the pastor broke uh, the person's head? Are you hearing what I'm saying? My, the way I'm living has what? Has affected you. Because we're connected. 
We're connected. Now, if we see ourselves that way, we will actually be more careful of our actions. Knowing that my actions don't only affect me, it affects the body of Christ. So before we do anything, we need to ask ourselves, what's the impact of this on the body? What's the impact of this on what? On the body of Christ. Okay, now let's go to verse 27. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. Verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, various kinds of tongues. Verse 29 says, Are all not apostles? All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? He is asking. Everybody is not an apostle. Everybody is not a teacher. Everybody is not a pastor. So what is Paul trying to establish? Paul is trying to establish that these gifts are given to some people in the body. Not everybody. We cannot make everybody in the body of Christ a pastor. We cannot make everybody in the body of Christ an apostle. We cannot make everybody in the body of Christ what? A prophet. It is God's responsibility to appoint these offices, to set these offices, and to call people into these offices. Are we clear on that? Alright, let's build on that further. Now, let's look at the life of Apostle Paul. Um, Colossians chapter 4 verse 17. Let's see what Paul said to Archippus here. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Colossians chapter 4 and verse 17. So we're just getting the introduction of this. We're going to dig deeper. And in the midweek service, we're going to deal with every joint supply. So I'll be dealing with the role of the body of Christ on Wednesdays. And I'll be dealing with the role of the five-foot ministries on Sunday. Uh, where did I say Shotonso? Colossians chapter 4 and verse 17. Alright. It says, Say to Archippus, Take ye it, to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you might fulfill it. So he says, the ministry, you have received it in the Lord. You have received it in the Lord. He says, take heed so that you are able to fulfill it. Now, let's see this whole thing about, uh, about people being set in the body. Uh, Galatians chapter 1 verse 1. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1. Please turn there. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 1. It says, Paul, an apostle, look at this, not sent from men, not sent from men, not through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and the God and God the Father who raised him from the dead. Can you see the two things Paul said here? Paul says, listen, I'm an apostle, but I'm not sent from men. That means men can send someone. Do we agree on that? Then he says, I'm not sent by the agency of man. That means the agency of man, the denomination of a man, can call him to be an apostle. But if a man sends you, and if a denomination sends you, but you're not called of God, you're not recognized by God. It's only God that's got to set you in any of this rifled ministry. 
Because it is according to us He desires. It is according to us He wills. It is when God has set you as a pastor, as a prophet, as an evangelist, the Lord gives you the grace corresponding to that office. If a man sets you, a man cannot give you that grace. You know, sometimes you wonder, you hear some things and you're like, wow, why is this guy behaving like this? He doesn't have a grace for that office. So when a man doesn't have a grace for that office of a, of a shepherd, doesn't have the shepherd heart, he will milk the flock. He will fleece the flock. He'll do everything to get money from the flock. Because there's no compassion. as a shepherd. Because he wasn't called into that office. He wasn't set into that office. And Paul talks about the, uh, uh, the God the Father who raised him from the dead. Talks about the resurrection of Jesus, just as as talks, talks about in Ephesians chapter four. Now go to Romans chapter one, verse one. Romans chapter one and verse one. Paul, a born servant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Called as an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. So we, we see that every time Paul is writing these letters, the first thing Paul establishes is the fact that it was God who called me. That's the first thing Paul establishes. I was not a man. I wasn't set into this office just because of my desire. I was set in here because the Lord called me into this office. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 7. 1 Timothy 2, 7. For this I was appointed. Now, of course, we know, since we've been dealing with this, who appointed him? God. For this I was appointed, a preacher and an apostle. Then he goes on to say, I'm telling the truth and I'm not lying. <laughs> As a teacher of the Gentiles In faith and truth Why did Paul say I'm telling you the truth I'm not lying It's because there were many who say they were apostles And they were not hmm? Many go about say they are apostles And apostles, I'm telling you the truth I'm not lying I'll set apart as an apostle and a preacher and a teacher God sets me into these offices so we're establishing the fact this morning that it is God that sets people into this office. Well, somebody say, well, but what about when they ordain someone? Let's clarify that. When the church ordains someone, is it not? The, let's clarify that. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Let's clarify that. And I think we can wrap up with that. Acts chapter 13. Have you learned anything this morning? Say amen if you have. Alright, Acts chapter 13. Let's look at this now. Let's clarify something here. Now, they were at Antioch in the church that was there, prophets and teachers. Barnabas and Simeon, who was called Niger, or Niger, if you want to prefer that, and Lucius of Cyrene, and you know that word means black, so like, and Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. Look at verse 2. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. Who said? Who said? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me 
Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now you realize that it was the Holy Spirit who said, listen, I am setting those two people aside. A man cannot call you to ministry. A man can only affirm and confirm the call you already have on your inside. Praise God. I said, praise God. Now, we, we are, my, 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 my family, we're five, we're five, two boys and three girls, okay? As of today, I'm the only one actively preaching in terms of being one of the fivefold offices of a pastor and a teacher. Okay? Now, my younger brother does a whole lot of, uh, I mean, the whole website, all the IT stuff in the ministry for dad, for the whole ministry, he does them. But one of the things my dad taught us very early in life was not to become pastors just because we grew up in a pastor's home. And a minister can have that. You know, I've seen ministers who do that. Try to force their children into the ministry. And my sisters, they're all busy doing whatever the Lord has called them to do, but in terms of actively preaching and being into full-time ministry, I'm the only one out of five. You know, and sometimes I see zealous, zealous Christians do that. You know, you have such a desire for your children to preach the gospel, you start calling them my small prophets. Ah, my small prophets. You give the child mic and put small Bible in his hand. Ah, apostle. Ap- don't force people into offices. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hmm? You can't force God to call your child. Yeah, and we do that a lot. <laughs> I've got two kids. Even if the Lord speaks to me that they are going to get into the ministry, I'd allow the Lord to speak to them about that. The Lord told Brother Hagin that his son, Pastor Hagin, was called into the ministry. Brother Hagin never told him. Until the Lord, you know, spoke to him about that. The same thing with the son of Casey Price. Casey Price Jr., Fred, Fred Jr. Okay? It was when he was about 19, when Crefrodola came to preach at the Faith Dome in Crescent Christian Center, that the Lord spoke to him to accept the call to ministry. So even if you're a pastor, you don't have to start calling your children evangelists, evangelists, evangelists. You can't force them. You, the Lord has to set them because you cannot give them grace. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Or you really wanted to become a pastor, so you messed up and you couldn't become a pastor. Then you now want your child. So every time you say, ah, prophets, the prophets of the house, the prophets of the house. And unconsciously, we make people assume and step into offices that the Lord is... We need to be careful of that. The Lord told Brother Hagin that many people die young for stepping into offices that the Lord has not appointed that they should step into. We need to be careful of that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? We need to be careful of that. We cannot put ourselves in offices where and if you're going to any local church, you have a responsibility to pray and go before the Lord and ask the Lord, is my pastor in the office that he is in, in the sense of you shouldn't go where they're just forcing people to become ministers and the Lord is not calling them to stay in that office. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
And we need to be careful of that. I've made that mistake before growing up. And now I don't anymore. We've, and sometimes we've got churches, some of our churches, and then we're, we're looking for pastors and leaders. And I'm like, no, we can have people run the church. We can have mature believers run the church. But we want to be careful. If we're saying this man is the pastor of this church, we just want to be careful, not because there's a need in the church, but we recognize that the Lord has called that man into the office. I can have a lot of people who, who teach, I mean, who teach and lead in church here, but I don't refer to any of them as pastors. It doesn't mean they cannot teach, but I need to be careful. I know people in our church who teach, and they teach very well. And I know if some of them were in other churches, they would have become apostles. But I need to be sure that I'm not, it's not my desire putting them in the office, but it is the Lord calling them into that office. Because if they are going to function according to the will of God, then the foundation has to be established that they were called according to the will of God and not according to the will of man. Are we clear on that? Right. So, verse, verse 3, and we, we close there. Then, when they had fasted and prayed, and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now, the Bible says they sent them away, but look at the next verse. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit. Can, can you see how the Holy Spirit was working in hand with the church? And when they were sent out, they said they sent them away. So if you stop at verse 3, you think, well, yeah, it's the church that prayed for them and sent them away. The next verse says, and be sent out by the Holy Spirit. So you see in verse 2, the Holy Spirit assumed responsibility for the call, assumed responsibility for the work they should go, and the Holy Spirit assumed responsibility for doing what? For sending them out. So what was the role of the church and the prophet and the teachers there? They only confirmed and affirmed what the Holy Spirit has already initiated. Are you clear on that? So we can only affirm, we can only confirm what the Holy Spirit has initiated. That you went to a Bible school does not mean you are called. You just went to a Bible school. That's what it means. Alright? Calling is different from going to a Bible school. Bible school is like going to a school of engineering. It's just that when you go to this one, they teach you Bible, they don't teach you engineering. So anybody can go to a Bible school. Because I have also seen sometimes people go to Bible school and then they come out and say, but I'm a Bible school graduate. But I'm a Bible school graduate. I went to Bible school for four years. No, no, no. There are many people in the scriptures who were called who never went to a Bible school. So a Bible school is not a criteria that you are called. It's just that you have a qualification. So the Lord must set you in one of these offices. And you cannot choose. Because I've seen that also. Some people are called to be pastors. And then they pick a prophet as their mentor. And they think after following many years, they will become a prophet. The truth of the matter is that if the Lord will allow all of us to choose, do you think what we'll choose? We'll just choose two major gifts. What is the, what's those two gifts? Prophet. Uh-huh. You, you people have already chosen. Is it? Because you just choose prophet and working of miracles. Will anybody choose teaching? All these ones I'm asking you, do you follow? Do you understand? Uh, you, I mean, see how hard it's taking for me to get amen from you. If I was prophesying and calling your phone number now, you know you will not be seated. Oh, Papa. Oh, Daddy. Oh, Father. The whole place will be buzzing. There will be no space. You will not even... What's COVID? COVID protocols. But we will not... You just want to... Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
Do you think on my flesh that does not look like an easy route for me? Why will I after I'm going to study all of this? Hmm? Why will I go and be reading this? Go to Colossians, go to Philippians, go to Romans. Did you see this? Do you understand this Greek word? Why will I I'll just come and say, and the Lord said, and close my Bible, I say you. <laughs> and you. And before you know, it's two hours. And of course, I won't be able to get to everybody's tongue. Will you come back next Sunday? Yes. And you can be there for one year. It doesn't get to your tongue, but you still come back. You know, I can just say you. And uh, what's your name? Do I know you before? Play music. And then we dance for like 10 minutes. And I say you. Do I know you from anywhere? You know, do you have a tree in your house? Before we finish with your case, it's two hours. We'll go to the second service. And, and then you come like that for years. But is that why God gave the gift to the body of Christ? The answer is no. Because what that does is that it robs you of the grace you have to contribute. So in such atmosphere, you never contribute, you are always a receiver. You are either a receiver or a spectator. Are you following this? So we're going to look at this from scripture. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your heart to reveal scriptures to us. We ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we'll be strengthened with might in the inner man. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you for listening to Word Connect with Pastor Maxwell Ogaga. We encourage you to share this message with your friends and loved ones. For more information and free downloads, please visit www.pastormax.ng. We would like to hear from you. Send us an email, info at pastormax.ng. Or you can call 0805-888-7575. God bless you.